This I have four pages of oh, notes. Holy shit. Go for it. Um We gotta are we warmed up? Sure. Yeah. You are listening to episode nine of the Sub Pop Podcast. I am Arwen Nix here with Alyssa Atkins, the first plant to grow after the apocalypse. Oh, that's so lovely. I think Thank it's true. you. Yeah. Episode nine, nine of ten. I know the season's almost over. I'm feeling pretty good about that. How do you feel? Sad. <laughs> Relieved? <laughs> yes. I am I am a mix of both sad and relieved. Yeah. Maybe our listeners feel the same way. Maybe. <laughs> I think, you know, I'm going to take the summer to work on season two with you and also uh, try to figure out how to stop saying like so much. Oh, it's impossible. I know. Just lean into it. Yeah. There we go. Leaning <laughs> into the like. Episode nine of the Sub Pop podcast. It's a good one. It is a good one. Who are we going to hear from? Today on the podcast, we will be hearing from the members of Chastity Belts and um, Mike Kunkka from Godhead Silo and Enemy Mine and now Mike and the Melvins. Mike and the Melvins. Holy shit. Incredible. Yeah. There's a lot. There's a lot to be learned there. How many years did it take for that record to actually come to fruition? Not quite two decades, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) That guy is so interesting. Oh my goodness. I cannot wait to play that interview. I think that of all of the many guests that we've had that I've fallen a little bit in love with, like Mike Kunkka might have knocked Nathan out of the top. Wow. For your heart? Yeah. (laughs) And like now I kind of don't ever really want to talk to him in real life because he's just perfect in my mind from this interview. Right. Because, yeah. He's my Suzanne Vega. (laughs) 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 But first, let's hear from Chastity Belt, Hardly Art's own Chastity Belt. Mm Mm-hmm. You talked to them a couple of times. Am I not mistaken? Am I mistaken? You are not mistaken. Nay, Alyssa, you are not (laughs) mistaken. Um, I did speak with Chastity Belt a few times. I I know the members of that band. I'm friends with them, and I think they're wonderful little treasures. Um, But the first time I talked to them was right before they were supposed to go on tour, and Julia was having some trouble with her voice, so she wasn't there. And I was asking Lydia and Annie and Gretchen about their first European tour and European tour with death cab for cutie. Right? Yeah. They were going to do the first half of the tour on their own. And then they were meeting up with death cab for cutie and they were so excited. And when I went over to Annie and Gretchen's house, they were packing that night for their tour. <laughs> and so much of the conversation while I was setting up my equipment was like, which sweatshirt am I going to bring? And are we all going to listen to Lord of the Rings book on tape? And you know, Annie's cat was being a dick and it was just adorable. Pre tour jitters. Pre-tour jitters and excitement, and it was a great interview, but then they got back, and I heard from a friend that they had been robbed. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, scary robbed. Well, I mean, is there such a thing as not scary robbed? But they had some tales to tell. They had some tales to tell, so I went back over to Annie and Gretchen's apartment and sat down with... Julia, Lydia, Annie, and Gretchen. So this is this is Chastity Belt talking about what happened when they were touring through Europe in an RV. All right. We were about 10 days into the tour, or like 10 shows in, and we just played a show in Bristol, <laughs> which is like 
west the western part of England and we were driving all the way to Barcelona so that was like like 20 hours yeah wait how are you guys traveling on this tour oh we were in an RV yeah, and we had to make that drive like overnight. Like we played in the evening. We played at like 4 p.m. or something in Bristol, and we had to be in Barcelona by the next night mm-hmm. to play a show. We were like, "All right, we're up for it. This is cool. Our our tour manager is going to drive the whole way." So, and it was worth it because Barcelona was our biggest guarantee. So we were like, "It's, it's worth true. it to make this long drive so that we can make some money and maybe break even on this tour." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. <laughs> So, I don't know, we were all asleep at this point. Um, It was maybe like five or six in the morning. Yeah. And we wake up to just, I guess I heard our tour manager talking with this other girl, Maria, who was joining us for that drive. Um, And I was like, huh, sounds like they're talking about something serious. She pulled over at this like service station in France at like probably like three in the morning just to sleep for like a couple hours because she was doing all the driving so that's when the robbery happened i kept hearing her be like i just saw a flash of light that's all i saw um and then i guess she realized that all of our money was gone don't know the exact number but like what did we estimate like four thousand dollars pounds oh three or four thousand pounds (laughs) yeah but we definitely that was like those 10 days was when we sold the most merch because we were headlining those shows and most of them sold out even though there were smaller places they did sell out and yeah the crazy part of it was We'd all slept through this thing, and when we woke up, everything was like essentially in its like the same place. Yeah. Like, it didn't seem like anything had been moved or like. Yeah, and just like so, there were six of us in this small RV, and so two people on the top bed, two people in the back bed. Maria was sleeping in the middle, and Deidre was sleeping in the driver's seat right next to her backpack. And so somehow, someone got in through the passenger door rifled through her backpack because they rifled through everything so that they just took cash out of like multiple wallets yeah and, and there like phones around laptops yeah yeah they didn't take anything that that could have been tracked so they didn't take yeah. passports or iphones and no one none of the six of us in this like really tiny vicinity woke up for this Yeah, so the the working theory is that you guys were gassed. And where did that idea come from? My mom emailed me to say, like, Skip, who's my dad, she's like, Skip was looking up, um, like, news stories related to uh, robberies in France and RVs. And he saw something about people getting gassed in RVs specifically. Um, and I guess what they do is they just like put a tube through a vent and there aren't any side effects. People just pass out and then they wake up and all their money's gone. And I was like, that's ridiculous. That sounds crazy. And then 
Who then Maria said she had also heard of it. Yeah. And she was like, well, maybe it's good you guys had all that cash because I've heard of people getting their organs stolen while they're (laughs) passed out. I think we were all just like really glad that we were safe. Yeah. But also when our tour manager returned the RV to the RV rental place, they said also that they, that altogether there were like, 20 to 30 reports in France of people doing of that of gassing RVs and stealing from them and that people sometimes would even like if they see an RV driving they'll follow you until you stop and then gas you and steal your shit why are you shaking your head no <laughs> no because it's scary <laughs> it's just like unreal that, it's like unreal before they um rented the yeah, before you RV <laughs> So after you guys realized that all of your cash is gone, what did you do? Well, we had a show to make yeah, that yeah, night. That show so. <laughs> Were you scared at all continuing in the RV for the rest of your date? Terrible vibes in there. Because the next, the very next night, we got robbed again. Yeah, that I didn't feel unsafe until that double whammy. That's yeah, what really. So we stayed in a hotel yeah. in Barcelona. That was like, kind of like our first night out of yeah, the RV. We were like, we were like oh, yes, nice. get to like have this nice hotel. This is great because we don't we're, we don't feel safe in the RV anymore. Yeah. Um, and then the next morning, we wake up, open the RV, and it's just completely trashed. Um, yeah, they like ripped the cupboards. They broke the table that was in the middle because they were just rifling through trying to find stuff. And like, luckily. After the night before, I was like, I am bringing every single one of my possessions yeah. to this yeah. hotel room. <laughs> so. Yeah, and the only thing that got stolen were our tour guides, or our tour manager's ex-boyfriend speakers. Yeah. And some drum parts. Oh, and right? some yeah. drum hardware that we rented, so that um, we had to pay for that, too, in the end. Yeah, and some records, I think. Oh, oh yeah, and some yeah. of our merch that was in there. I mean, that's a little flattering, right? Yeah. 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 Spread it around. <laughs> It's after the, I didn't feel that unsafe after the first one. I was like, okay, that's a fluke. Like, we've never had anything like this happen, and most bands have. So it's like, that was our stroke of bad luck. But then after the second night, when it was like, okay, you can clearly just take a crowbar to the window and yeah. tear it open. It just seems so easy. Seems so, easy yeah. So mm. the rest of the tour, though, our tour manager slept in the RV. Yeah. Just to make sure that didn't happen again. But so that was our first day off was the day after Barcelona and we spent it at like an RV repair shop which actually ended up being really fun it was um, in like the middle of nowhere because it was like over an hour outside of Barcelona yes yeah. not I don't there was like a tiny little town the and next day in Barcelona we were walking around and we were like so do we go home now <laughs> or but it's kind of cool I don't know it's I think it in the end like looking back on it now I feel like it something we kind of could bond over and just I mean, make us stronger. Even that day off at the tiny little RV repair place where the guy working there was so nice to us and we called him our new dad <laughs> and they let us sleep there and they had like gates so we were like locked in and no one could get in and we felt and we like made dinner like our tour manager made us like mussels and pasta <laughs> and I think we, we were all just like city. we watched Sex in the City. We were all just like we're at such a like 
low right now that like like fuck it like nothing <laughs> like I can't really feel bad about anything else right now you know yeah, yeah. So I kind of had like that feeling like nothing is mine yeah. like I felt like yeah. I just didn't own anything because it just felt like it could be taken from me yeah. at any point <laughs> which like was like kind of a freeing feeling totally. in a way yeah it was just like so too. it was like a reset button in a weird way yeah kind of we were like okay, well, here we go start out start yeah. over <laughs> It would have to be a bonding experience, wouldn't you think, Arwen? I think so. I, I have to say that I'm a little surprised by how close-knit Chastity Belt is. Like, they are they really do just braid each other's hair in the van when they're on tour, and they are always chatting with each other. And I remember talking to them a little bit about, like, well, don't you ever just want some time alone? Like, putting your headphones on and ignoring your bandmates so you can have some space. And they looked at me shocked like I was a monster. Like, Why no, would you do that? We love each other. It's a it's a really sweet chemistry that they all have together. They've been friends for a long time. And um, I think it speaks well of them and appropriately of them that they bonded over this experience. Did they all go to school together too? They did, yeah. All of them? Mm-hmm. Wow. Where did they grow up? That's how they met. They grew up in different places, but... They went to school in Eastern Washington, I believe. Oh, okay. Let us know. Let us know on Twitter, <laughs> won't you, ladies? <laughs> but there's there's actually a documentary that was made about Chastity Belt when they were in college. What? Yeah, that someone who went to school with them made this documentary on the band when it was first getting started. And we'll we'll link to that in the show notes. It's pretty incredible. Were they Chastity Belt from the start? Or did they have They've been first? wearing that chastity belt for a long time. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So it wasn't like they used to be known as. Not to the best of my knowledge. Huh. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Great ladies. Um, you know what? It feels like it's time for a Mega Mart ad. Oh, I have one. Oh, let's hear it. <laughs> let's go into a loser. In- <laughs> I wasn't recording any of that. You weren't? No. Let's do it again. Okay. We'll just do the three of the three of them. Okay. I'm ready. Am I allowed to be enthusiastic? Yeah. Do, I do yeah. I need to reel it in a little bit? No. Okay. Sub Pop Megamart. Frequently wrong, never in doubt. Sub Pop Megamart. Get all your ducks on the table. <laughs> Sub Pop Megamart. Been there, done that, got the water bottle to prove it. I liked that better. Me too. I don't like the got the water bottle to prove it. Oh, God. (laughs) You know I'm going to use that. Yeah. Megamart ad number nine. I'm really loving those. They're fun to make. I wonder, listeners, dear listeners, if you are enjoying the Megamart ads as much as we are. Are we alone enjoying those Megamart ads? 
I think Stuart's starting to really like doing them. I think so too. He gets excited. He's getting yeah, a little territorial as too. As he can get. Right? As excited as Stuart Fletcher can get. You have heard him get in these Megamar ads. Well, actually, though, I think that he was pretty excited to interview Mike Kunkka. One of his few interviews in the Sub Pop podcast. Yeah, and it's brilliant. It's a great interview. I love what he did. Um, actually, I feel like he's better able to talk about, to set that interview up. Do you want to go grab him and we'll ask him I about should it? Get out. Yeah, let okay. me go get him. So, Stuart, I know you're super busy. In fact, you just got some news today that you're going to be busier maybe in the next three weeks than you've ever been. Maybe. Um, So that's exciting news. So I'll make this quick. How long have you been friends with Mike Kunkka? I'd say since, well, I met him in Olympia. I moved there in 1991. He, Godhead Silo, was probably moving there around the same time. Stuart, what was your first impression of Mike Kunkka? I thought both Mike and Dan, the members of Godhead Silo, were were sort of a little standoffish. <laughs> um, did that change your impression? Um, oh yeah, definitely. I mean, I think that was pro- it was probably more me. You know how animals usually more scared of you than you are of it. Is that? Did I say it right? I think you said it correctly. Um, I was probably just more scared of them than they were of me. (laughs) (laughs) So what happened? How'd you guys become friends? I can't really say. So now that you've known Mike Kunkka for nearly a quarter of a century, (laughs) Mm -hmm. um, when we wanted to have him on the podcast, it made sense for you to interview him because you knew him so well. And you guys started out talking about how the Mike and the Melvins record, like what happened, like how it first started and then how it's finally coming out. But what is the Mike and the Melvins record exactly? It's a record that Mike made with the Melvins. (laughs) uh, Starting in... Nobody seems to be able to remember exactly when it began, but maybe 98, 99. They were... On tour with Tool, opening for Tool, and I really liked Tool, especially at that time, which was the Enema record, I think that's how it's pronounced. Yeah. It's probably pronounced Enema, but whatever. I love that record. I used to sit and listen to that record in the dark, I mean, and just cry my eyes out. Wow. To me, that just was the most beautiful record. So I asked if I could go with, and they said, of course. So I just rode in the van and did some bass tech stuff. Like, I tried to make myself useful, but mostly I was getting to see Tool for, I think I saw, like, 17 shows or something over three weeks. And while we were in the van, they were asking what was up with Godhead Silo. And at the time, we were kind of... Dan had basically severed his arm. Yeah. Yeah, so we were kind of... We weren't done breaking up because we weren't breaking up or anything because we didn't like each other, but it was like a practical thing. Dan needed two or three years of rehab to even be able to squeeze a drumstick again. And yeah. So they said, what if we make 
the next Godhead Silo, why don't we just be Godhead Silo for the next record? And I said, nah, that's not my, like Godhead Silo is me and Dan, like I'm not really, I can't just, when there's only two people, it's harder to just interchange members, right? Totally. Yeah. And I didn't want to break up because he got hurt. Like, I think that's a really bad way to lose your job, you know? They said, well, then, you know, let's do a record that's you and us. And I was like, nah, it doesn't seem like a good idea. It doesn't seem like a good idea. I mean, it still kind of doesn't. And I didn't think much of it. And I came home and I mentioned it to my wife. And she told me how stupid I was being. (laughs) And at that time they hadn't really asked anybody to make records with them and I thought well, that's I mean I was really flattered but I don't consider myself their equal or like I didn't feel like I would be an equal partner in that project I, I could I mean Mel right there's Melvin's. Melvin's yeah <laughs> I mean that's all you got to say right and I but then and then something happened with the studio we were working with there's a lot of stuff nobody can remember and something happened that I can remember Buzz saying I'm not in fucking junior high anymore like having to deal with some kind of bullshit situation something was fucked up yeah right Um, and for me like it doesn't take much to kill momentum and once it's the break parking brakes on it's on like you just put it up on blocks and it's never leaving the driveway so that kind of is what happened with me you know fast forward 16 years and we all I started talking to them about finishing it and we came to see them on October 18th for their sound check to like settle on the recording dates and that while I was talking to them somebody robbed my storage garage and stole all my musical equipment yeah that like that night so I got home and I thought, okay, well, maybe like the world is, I mean, I'm not like super tripped out or anything, but I'm like, okay, like you, you finally fucking got it together to get studio time. And while you were doing that, somebody stole all your, like your 30 years of accumulated musical equipment. Yeah. Maybe just stop, like stop, like just stop. October 18th, 2014. Yeah. And I know it was the 18th because the guy who stole all my stuff, he left a a bunch of food. Like he had been in there for a couple days, so he left a bunch of food and a receipt. And um, some people saw him going in and out that night. So it was like, it's this really strange coincidence that like when I finally decided after that long to start making music again while I was setting it up somebody was making it almost impossible for me to do yeah he stole the hard drive that had all the tracks on it actually but and you recovered that no nothing I had a backup on an old old computer holy shit you know and I would periodically go on the internet and look myself up and people would be talking shit about me 
because it's an opportunity that people would really like to have, you know? So, like, some dude in Norway is really bummed that I didn't finish it. Oh, because, like, word is out that Mike and the Melvins is... Yeah, from... They talked about it in, like, 1998 or 99. Like, yeah, we made this record with Mike Kunkka, so it's coming out. It's called Three Men and a Baby. Ha, ha, ha. Mm -hmm. It's coming out in Sub Pop. And then it never happened. Mm -hmm. And then people would ask the melvins like what's happening with that and they'd be like i have no idea and they'd be like where's mike kunkka we have no idea yeah and i like that's fine too you know like i like not people not it's not like you couldn't find me but uh, you know you just stop trying after a while right so and that was totally that was a fine way to be for me too so yeah that guy in norway is gonna be Stoke. I don't know. He's he might be dead. I mean, that was 15 <laughs> years ago. People don't last that long, Stuart. You know, how would I pay to see me do that? I'd probably not. You know. So that's just my, I have a weird perspective on it. And that, you know, was counterproductive sometimes and for the business part of it. But sure. Yeah. I mean, if that's what I meant, you know, talking to Jonathan and Megan, it's like you, people put a lot of faith in you and it's not just money, you know, like people here work for you. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so for me, that was always a super heavy thing to be, like, be here. And you act like, oh, we're just having these meetings that everybody has at this conference table that everybody has, right? Yeah. But they're all working for you, like, because they like you or they or were told to, right? (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, it's a weird thing, you know, when you have, I don't think I have low self-esteem or maybe I probably do, but... When people believe in you enough to hire a bunch of people to work for you, you know, to sell this record that you made, it's heavy. You feel responsible, or you should feel responsible for all those people yeah. working. Like, so that for me was a really hard thing to deal with. And it's happening again, you know, where you're just like, oh, I got to do, I have to do these meetings, right? But what you're meeting about is all these other people are going to work. for you like to help you earn a living or do better you know it's intense you know you have to think enough of yourself to think what you're about to make or you're making is worth money to somebody like your art is something that's so awesome that somebody else wants needs to pay to own it or hear it right yeah. mm-hmm. and then when you have a child you can't have that I couldn't have that self-focus and be a parent like you just I couldn't do it like I don't think you I mean another I mean it's not like I was making a huge living off it or anything but it's like this is a really good time to stop Yeah, because I need to she needs to be my band like she's my focus she's my project (laughs) like that it was and i you know that i'm really proud of being able to stop 
thinking about myself so much and think about her instead of just, you know, what do people say about me on the internet or what is, yeah, how's my record doing? I yeah. Think, say, do you want your, how do you want your apple slice? <laughs> you want peel on that? Do you know what I mean? Like I, the day to day of not being in a band is awesome. Oh like, man. I love it. Yeah. I love it. I mean, it's super positive. I hope I don't sound like it's a negative thing. Like I, it was my choice to do it, and I did it. And I'm more proud of the person that we're raising than any record I made. I mean, by far. Yeah, but I mean, she's your new band. So. She's everything. Yeah. yeah. No, I I loved that. Um, no, you don't sound. But like there's you're... no baby reviews. Like I used to, when I was first happening and Tina, my wife, was working full time. So I was full time stay at home dad. And I would push her around and I'd be like, man, I'm just, I'm killing this. Like she's asleep. We'd walk for like three hours, you know? And I'd be like, there needs to be like a fanzine that says I'm doing a good job because I need some <laughs> fucking support. <laughs> or you just need like a baby review. Or like a parenting review where like, you know, your kids' checkups, they look at your kids' checkups and they know it's healthy and eating and growing and safe. And yeah. And they just be like, yeah, my cuckoo from Godhead Silo is totally <laughs> doing a good job. Like, this is way better than their last record, you know? <laughs> it's like maximum rock and roll. Yeah, maximum parenting or something. Maximum yeah. dad. Actually, um, well, Suzanne Vega is like my favorite artist of all time, actually. Oh, yeah. Is that like a, has that always been the case? Yeah, since oh. uh, 1987 or so. Uh, I don't think I, I, yeah, I, don't, I don't think I've I ever know. known that. I don't, I've been sharing it lately because I'd really like to play bass for her. <laughs> and I'm thinking, ah, somebody else, you know, like when we played in Fargo, I made a homemade Suzanne Vega shirt thinking this will be on YouTube and somebody will tell her like this guy just wants to play one song with you you know once ever and uh yeah it's not an ironic thing so that makes it really hard in the you know the community that we were in in Olympia yeah if you liked something that was yeah I don't want to say outside the norm but like normal to like you would catch shit for it or you had to make it seem ironic you know, right? And there's nothing ironic about it, and I've always liked it. And it, but it's been like a not a I mean, I'm not embarrassed or a private thing, but it's just like really important to me. And so I've been getting all her records again and listening to them. Yeah, actually. they still make me cry. Like I fucking she's got my number.
I can't outplay the guy the on Solitude Standing, that record. The Suzanne Vega band, they're called. They're fucking unstoppable. I mean, it sounds crazy to say. <laughs> that is an untouchable record, man. That band. I, dude, and there's some songs on there that are just heavy. Like, it's just drums and vocals. Or, like, just drums, fretless bass, and vocals. And it's fucking... It's heavier than the Melvins. Or, like, I mean, to me... Uh-huh. It's intense. Like, it's... That record, to me, is just perfect like there's not a wrong step on that record wow yeah oh the other one i should say so there's suzanne vega which is all time it's untouchable that tool record just that one Mm -hmm. afronauts a honky history (laughs) (laughs) those are my three most listened to things fresh styles galore a mia mia more some people say, please mustache, it don't hurt them. Then I just squirt them with my lyrics. Ooh, ow, a pow, wow, wow, a yippee-yo, yippee-yay, and all that shit. Ever. Now I said, and I actually, there's a Mike the Melvin song called Read the Label. It's chilly. Those are Afronauts lyrics. There's, I can, every, there isn't a day that I don't do Afronauts lyrics. Um, so Afronauts are, uh... <laughs> Can you explain what Afronauts are? Well, stepping to the quads like stepping in a casket. <laughs> Smash your face with a burger basket. They, oh, I don't know, like I didn't catch the TV show, right? So I just heard the, somebody gave me a CD. It was probably James Bertram. Yeah, they stole my Afronauts t-shirt too and they stole all my stuff. They got my Afronauts t-shirt. Which Man. I love that band. Like, and I, that was another one that's hard to, because it was like a joke group. But it captured this moment that we all have when we're maybe 18 to 20 and we kind of don't really need jobs mm-hmm. and our brains are just on fire. Like you're just, and some people record everything and some people record none, none of it, right? They recorded all of it and some of it rhymed, some of it didn't. Milk crate. Runs full like soda, get on the mic, cause I saw you hump Yoda. The flow, the flow, it's what I bestow. Sit your ass down and experience my shit. Then watch me get the And then I met MC Milk Crate. And I was like, ah, it's your milk crate. And I maybe it was Mustachio, like one of the other dudes was there too. And they didn't want to be associated with it, like cause it was embarrassing to them. And I was just like, man, that that's heartbreaking because like it, I actually really 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 liked it yeah and uh I I mean and that's like I say like I like things that a lot of other people don't mm-hmm. and that record like um it just made me remember that I had that moment in my life as well do you know what I mean where I'd be like I mean it's like a double out like a honky history that's got like 40 songs on it, you know? <laughs> and it's about the lunch lady, it's about school, it's about the mall. Yeah. It's amazing. It's like four friends. None of them are that great at rapping, right? <laughs> but they're into it and they're into each other. And you could tell like that was, I mean, it's just like having a band, you know, where like everybody is on point and in that moment in time is like the exact right time to have that band for everybody in that band. Yeah. 
and then whatever happens to it, like it stops happening and you made this one thing and it, sometimes it's better to only make that one thing than it is to keep going, you know? Okay, so I'm back in the room. Stuart's gone. I think it's maybe a coin toss who loves Mike Kunkel more, you or Stuart Fletcher at this point. After you spent so much time working on that interview and editing it. I mean, Stuart, if you're going to interview with Stuart, you better like clear your calendar because he's going (laughs) to talk to you for a while and you're going to enjoy it. But you're not going to have, you know, what you hear here is just, you know, just a portion. Yeah, it's just a portion, a part of a whole. We're just skimming the top. Which I'm sure is painful for Stuart because the whole interview is great. It's so lovely. I shouldn't speak for Stuart. It's maybe not painful, but uh, I, I hope there's he a lot of good the stuff treatment of in it. a Stuart Fletcher interview. Yes, there is. And Stuart did a wonderful job talking to Mike, and I learned so much about him. And I just, and now you love him. I <laughs> I meant it. No, when I said that Mike Kunkka is now my Suzanne Vega, like I cannot get enough. I listened to that interview so many times and editing it, and I just. It was so hard for me to cut any of it out because I just think he is such a wonderful man. I love the way he speaks and I, the he's so sincere with yeah. what he talks about. His he love for Tool. Me. Yeah, he reminds me of Stuart a little bit, actually. They yeah. have some similarities, but maybe that's a lifelong friend kind of thing. Or maybe it's just being from Issaquah. Oh, yeah, because it's more, yeah, it's more like, I don't think they see each other all that often. They just have similarities. We should tie that together, the Issaquah connection, because... There is something in the water out there. Honestly, because, okay, so the Afronauts, who Mike was talking about, and special thanks to Brady Hall for letting us use oh, that yeah. Afronaut song. Brady Hall, you'll be hearing that name again on this podcast. <laughs> But the Afronauts were um, also connected to Jerk Beast, yep. which came up in our interview that we did with Carlos. Right. So there's something there's something happening, some sort of magic creativity, these Issaquah transplants to Seattle. At least back in the 90s or whenever. At least when their brains were on fire. <laughs> I think it's still happening, though. And I, I will say that I've been listening to a shit ton of Suzanne Vega lately and been really into it <laughs> he got you he did that. i had never really listened to her before i had heard like you know the singles that came out that were overplayed and was like whatever not my thing but now i'm way into it well i suppose if you're gonna if you're gonna be that down with mike kunkka you better like some suzanne vega <laughs> it's all part of my hero worship and if you know suzanne vega and can put her in touch with us oh, we yes. would love to talk to her we have some ideas and um would it's like important, to hear. important, actually. Important ideas. It's like from the bottom of my heart. Like, I would really, really appreciate if you have any uh, <laughs> in either of Suzanne you Vega. <laughs> either if, of you. If either of our parents that are listening right now <laughs> know Suzanne <laughs> Vega. <laughs> hey, Dad, mom, can you? Yeah, Mom, can you make some phone calls? <laughs> some Facebook posts? Anything? All right. Who did, what music did we hear today on the show, We heard Alyssa? some good music today. We heard Mudhoney's Good Enough. Mm-hmm. Thanks for that opening song, guys, that we never asked you for, but just assumed. <laughs> it's fine. You're welcome. Thank you. Um, we heard from Clipping and Chastity Belt and Mike and the Melvins. Mm-hmm. 
and Beat Happening. Good use yeah, of that one. I like you. that. I love Beat Happening. Um, you can find that playlist and much more on Sub Hop FM. That's our podcast website. You can also find so many more good things that we have to say because you just can't get enough of it. <laughs> well, you get to hear you get to hear from Stuart in the show notes. He writes That's the true. show notes every week, and they're brilliant. And if you hadn't had a had a chance really to good. check them out, they're good. Underappreciated. Yeah. Much like us. <laughs> Maybe not. Underappreciated okay. for good reason. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but if that's not enough, there's more. There's also Twitter and sub and uh, Twitter and Facebook. How? Yeah. If you want to be an early adopter instead of a fast follower, now is the time because we yeah. don't have many Get likes. Get on the ground floor. <laughs> be able to say you were there first, really, because no one else is there. Sub Pop Podcast, Facebook and Twitter. <laughs> Please find us. We're just there. Special thanks to Julia, Lydia, Annie, and Gretchen of Chastity Belt. And, of course, to Stuart and Mike Kunkka. Thanks, guys. Who else do we want to thank? The Sub Pop Brass. Oh, yeah, them too. Chris Jacobs, Megan Jasper, and Jonathan Poneman. Ooh, episode nine. Thanks, guys. That works. You got love insane. You got me untamed. 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 We love Ben Gibbard. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, he's just every everything that I thought he would be. Turns out he's a huge, huge Chassis Belt fan. Yeah. Childbirth fan, and too. Childbirth, yeah. yeah. He's very supportive. He's very supportive. He's so nice. Like, yeah. the nicest guy. There's talk of brunch soon. Yeah. Probably go to brunch, yeah. Good brunch. Brunch with Ben.